From Commander.com, welcome to the Tech Refresh Podcast, where we scour the internet to feature the digital news, gadgets, and stories to keep you up to date. Our promise is you give us about 30 minutes, and we'll make sure you're the -the in-the-know, go-to digital source for your friends and family. After an exhaustive nationwide search to find just the right digitally savvy show host, well, they, they gave up and you got me. I'm Mike James, along with Allie Seligman. Hello, Allie. Hi, Mike. You almost said my name right this week. I have got some good stories we're going to talk about. <laughs> it's getting closer. I'm inching closer. Yeah, we'll go with that. <laughs> All right. We're going to talk about non-fungible tokens. What the heck is that? I've got a work-from-home scam that you might not realize you are falling prey to. And of course, I'm going to beat you both in brand new or not true. And I just realized I didn't use your real title, which is Allie, the content queen. Now, I should get slapped for that. (laughs) But uh, uh, I'll I'll just slap I'll slap myself later. (laughs) We also have our news director from commando.com. It's uh, Ben Bradley. Ben, how you doing? Good, Mike. How about yourself? All good. Good. Well, this episode I've got coming up. You've already got uh, COVID scams, but now there is a scary trend happening on the dark web involving vaccines. And I'll tell you about some updates you need to know, regardless of whether you have an iPhone or an Android. And we're going to talk a little bit about the death of cookies, not the good kind. (laughs) Bummer. Um, Okay, so uh, we've also got, as we mentioned, brand new or not true. Allie has the products today. The scam of the week, as we do every week, from your work-from-home selfies could be causing you some uh, bad news. Our, also, uh, our kicker today is a small town came together to help uh, a person that actually helped them through the pandemic. But first, it's uh, Tech News of the Week, and we're going to start with Ben. And COVID-related scams are nothing new. They keep coming. Yeah, and this one, we're not talking about scams so much, but it's definitely COVID-related. But it also falls... Listen, you know, this is the one-year anniversary. This week marks the one-year anniversary that many of us, even here at Westar, have been working from home. Can you believe that? Mm-hmm. It feels like a month and also 10 years. It, yeah. Time is weird right now, isn't it? Yeah. Did March it really You're end? right. That's well put. <laughs> it's, it's perpetually right. March. So, well, through that time, you know, you're already dealing with the changes to everyday life that's come with it, you know, but you've also had these scammers trying to take advantage of everything, the hard-to-get household staples, unemployment claims, uh, testing, PPE. And a lot of that has been happening on the dark web. And if you go past all the counterfeiters and the scammers looking to make a buck, you also have various marketplaces on the dark web claiming to sell the vaccine. So now cybersecurity firm Kaspersky just released a study that took a look at sellers on 15 of those dark web marketplaces supposedly selling the vaccine, Uh, many of which are apparently in the U.S. Well, the report says that they've collectively sold hundreds of doses. But here's the kicker. Kaspersky says that up to 30% of those sales could be the real vaccine. Wow. Yeah. And that's based on photos of packaging, medical certificates, and, you know, some other indicators that show some of these sellers have access to real medical institutions. And they're making money selling doses anywhere from 500 all the way up to 1200 bucks. Now, one of those, uh, vaccine manufacturers, Pfizer, released a statement to Kaspersky saying they proactively monitor the internet, including the dark web, and they haven't seen any indication that their vaccine is being sold illicitly. Now, they didn't get a comment from Moderna or AstraZeneca, and the Johnson & Johnson vaccine is just too new. Uh, Don't take that as a confirmation one way or the other that this is going on. Again, this is all based on one cybersecurity firm study 
uh, which we've posted more about at commando.com, along with a long-running list of tips for other COVID-related scams to watch out for. But, you know, seriously, how scary is this? And Yeah, my big question is, you know, these things have to be kept cold. And so even if it was the real vaccine, I don't imagine one of these people is going to be rolling up in a, you know, refrigerated truck or, you know, dry ice isn't going to cut it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Pfizer has to be stored at like negative 94 degrees, right? Yeah. And so even if it is the real vaccine and it's not stored right or it is stored right, then you still don't have, you know, the official um, records that the the government keeps on whether you've been vaccinated or not. So it's not a good idea. Yeah. Well, what about your second dose? How are you going to get that? They're not going to give you a dark web certificate of vaccination <laughs> that you can show when trying to board a plane or something. Yeah. Well, you never know. They might. <laughs> they might. They could print it off and send it to you. Oh. Uh, Allie, what's the $2 million tweet? Oh, man. All right. Raise your hand if you have heard of non-fungible tokens before like a few weeks ago. Never. Yeah, no. no, nobody has their nope. hand raised. It's the latest blockchain craze, and the term is everywhere. First, let's I'll tell you what it means. An NFT can represent any kind of digital asset. So a piece of artwork, an audio file, a video clip, a tweet, a song, whatever. Tweet, we'll come back to that. Let's say we're talking about art. An NFT isn't actually the piece of artwork. It's a piece of code on a digital ledger, hence blockchain, that points to where the artwork lives, and it's usually stored on a server somewhere. So it's documentation that you own some one-of-a-kind digital asset. Okay, tweets. Yes, the very first tweet from Twitter founder Jack Dorsey. It's up for auction. It's from March 2006, just setting up my Twitter. It's going for over $2.5 million. That's over $100,000 per character, which is just pretty mind-blowing. Okay, who is into this? Who is buying these things? Well, so far, it's just people with a lot of money to burn. Uh, there's a guy, his name is Jesse Schwartz. He's a 32-year-old entrepreneur. He just spent $208,000 on a video clip of LeBron James dunking. No, he doesn't get broadcast rights. He doesn't get a physical copy. He just gets a few lines of code to prove that he's the owner of this digital asset. He talked to The Hustle. He told them, my family thought I was crazy, but I've never been the kind of person who invests in traditional things. I, I kind of think he's crazy too. So people that are really into this, they say it solves some of the challenges of physical memorabilia, you know, like trading cards or even things like cars because originals can be faked or forged. It's hard to trace the ownership history of something. And with the non-fungible tokens, the artist essentially creates a verifiable record that something is authentic. The tweet, not the only thing selling for a ton of money. Um, a lot of this is art. There's a series of pixelated drawings called CryptoPunk. CryptoPunk number 6965 sold on February 19th for $1.6 million. Grimes, you may know her. She's a model artist on and on. She's also married to Elon Musk. She did a collection of digital artwork that sold for $5.8 million. Uh, there's also a 10-second video clip from a graphic artist named Beeple, $6.6 million. So uh, this stuff is absolutely mind-blowing. <laughs> I'm going to put this as eloquently as I can. It's dumb. You know, I just, I, I just, I, and I collect things. I like sports memorabilia and I collect, you know, just little knickknacks here and there. But the thing, it's like, you know, part of it's to invest, part of it's to show off. How do you show off something? Like, I mean, here you're trying to show your friends, like, look, I, I own the digital rights. And they're like, that's, I can just right click and download that on the internet. They don't understand <laughs> the blockchain or how the, you know, how the authentication is just, 
and to spend that kind of money on something, it, it sounds like so bubble to me, like in a couple of years, it's, who knows, but. Or it'll be like, you know, uh, all the people who thought, man, I wish I got in on Bitcoin earlier. Maybe this will be the next Bitcoin. There, There's this writer. His name is Robert Greene. He wrote The 48 Laws of Power. He's a great writer. He also wrote about the art of seduction and about war. And his latest book are called, it's called The Law of Human Nature. And he talks about these recycling it's, uh, bubbles like exactly like this that happened through history, not just 2008, not just the tech bubble of 2000, but they, it goes back into the 1800s. And he talks about uh, Sir Isaac Newton, one of the smartest people of his time, this mathematician that knows everything about everything. And there was this kind of Ponzi scheme going on uh, where Sir Isaac Newton, he got in, he made a whole bunch of money and then he got out. And then he saw everybody still making money, so he got back in and lost everything that he uh, ha- that he'd put in there. So the the moral of the story: it's a great big bubble. Uh, Bitcoin, in my opinion, is the same exact thing, and it never ends well. As uh, that's a longer story of Ben Bradley's. It's dumb. Oh man. So anyway, uh, regardless of whether you have an iPhone or an Android, a couple of things you should know about and deal with as soon as you can. Yeah. Let's start with iPhone. So, you know, for weeks we've been waiting on iOS 14.5 and some of the improvements it's bringing, but one update was just released that deals with a, a more urgent matter. iOS 14.4.1 was released this past Monday and it addresses a security vulnerability with WebKit. That's the uh, engine that powers Safari and the other browsers on your iPhone. Uh, this flaw would allow a bad actor to remotely run malicious code on your iPhone if not patched. So while you're thinking about it, open settings, tap general, and then software update. And make sure, once again, you're running iOS 14.4.1. And do the same thing for your iPad and your Apple Watch, along with if you have a Mac computer and Safari on your Mac. This uh, There's updates for all of them. fixes the same thing. Uh, now, moving on to Android, uh, a new report from cybersecurity firm Checkpoint Research uh, spotted a, yet another batch of malicious Android apps. Uh, these have a banking Trojan called AlienBot that's designed to steal money from your financial accounts and uh, take over your phone. Uh, so Google has removed these eight utility apps in question from the Play Store, uh, but you need to delete them if you previously downloaded them. Uh, you can find the whole list at commando.com and how to remove them. But real quick, it includes apps called Beat Player, Cake VPN, eVPN, Music Player, Pacific VPN, uh, QR slash barcode scanner Max, Q Recorder, and something Tool Tip Nature Library. And I don't even know if I said that last one right. But again, update your iPhone and make sure you get rid of any of these uh, Android apps I just mentioned, which you can find everything at commando.com about those. Mike, I feel like we need a sound effect for bad Android apps at this point. (laughs) (laughs) Some sort of womp womp. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, okay, we got it. Um, All right, so could it be the end of cookies? We're going to take a deep dive look into that. Also, how work from home selfies could be causing you trouble and brand new... Not True is just ahead on Tech Refresh from Commando.com. We're back on the Tech Refresh podcast from Commando.com. A little bit later on, we're going to talk about a small town who is uh, giving back to somebody that helped them during the pandemic. Also, before we get to brand new or not true, we have got a quick tip 
to share with you about Alexa commands you may not know about. So among all the voice assistants that we have these days to make life easier, it's it's pretty much Amazon's Echo smart gadgets that are in more households than any others. And if you have one or five, whatever, then you probably already have a good understanding of the basics. Now, I'm only going to say the name of the voice assistant one time, so it's not constantly setting off anyone's echo over the next minute or so. Uh, But at commando.com, we've added a new list of 15 helpful Alexa commands that you might not be aware of. Uh, One is called guard, and that's where your echo listens for sounds like glass breaking or a smoke alarm when you're gone, and it alerts you if it hears anything. If you have smart lights, guard will also randomly turn them on or off to make it look like someone's home. Uh, there's also a version you can pay for that adds additional features, but the the free version is, yeah, we'll get by. Uh, another handy command for your Echo is to help you find your misplaced phone, which is nice if there's not another phone around that you can use to call yours. And then uh, the Amazon Voice Assistant can also help you create a playlist of songs with any compatible music streaming service, which goes beyond Amazon Music, which it'll also work with Spotify. So when you're listening to a song, uh, you just say something like, a name, create a playlist. I just didn't want to say the name again. And then follow the prompts to create the playlist. So we have instructions for setting up what I just mentioned at commando.com, along with a dozen other commands, activating white noise to help you sleep. You know, uh, taking a photo of yourself using your Echo Show and then sending it to someone and making phone calls through those smart speakers too. That's awesome. Some great tips. Um, I love the guard. So do you say the A word? Guard my house, or do you have to set it up? Yeah, you do have to enable it through the settings, yeah. Yeah, it's it's, it's something you basically opt into the setting, but then you say, yeah, A word, I'm leaving, or, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Allie just loves that A word, right? It's just so funny. A word, guard my house. I didn't say the A word. <laughs> Careful which A word, right. but, you know. Yeah, all right. It's time for uh, America's newest national game show, Sensation, where you can play and guess Is it brand new or not true? Every week, literally thousands of new products, sites, apps, and services are announced in the technology world. Some are destined for greatness, others not so much. Oftentimes, the products sound so crazy, outlandish, and just ridiculous, you sit back and think, what were they thinking? And before you know it, you you sit back and tech just created its newest millionaire. When playing Brand New or Not True, we'll present you, the home listener, with three products, sites, or ideas. It's up to you to decide which two of the three are real and one, then, is fake. And Allie has the products this week. I do. You know I love a theme. So this Uh week our theme is pets. First up, product one. When you have a pet, dog or cat, whatever, you know that there's a lot of cleanup. And I'm not even talking about accidents, though we will get to that later. Get a little help with the Pod Self-Cleaning Pet Bed. It uses powerful UV light to break down viruses, bacteria, allergens, dust, dander. It looks like a typical pet bed, but it has an arm on one side, and attached to the top of the arm is a row of UV lights that disinfect the bed. You might be thinking, wait, what if my pet is in the bed? Don't worry, it's not quite automatic. You do need to engage the cleaning cycle. It takes about 15 minutes. You tap a button on the top of the unit to start it. As a failsafe, though, the pod uses a sensor to make sure that the bed is empty. If your cat jumps on it mid-clean, the process will stop, and you'll have to start it again. This bed is nice. It's a triple-layer foam base, so it's nice and cozy. You can choose from a few different fabrics depending on what your pet likes. There's a Sherpa cover, wool, cotton, All three are smell and stain resistant, and they're removable, so you can always pop them in the washer for some extra cleaning. 
the removable light unit charges via USB, and the pod will set you back $119.99. Okay, $119.99 for the pod self-cleaning pet cleaning pet bed. Now, is that does it have a vacuum cleaner or anything, or it just cleans with UV lights and that's what it does? Yeah, UV light to kill all the, you know, germs, bacteria, um, fight smell. Bugs. Dander, okay. Yeah. Okay. Next product. Next one. If you have multiple pets, mealtime can be a circus, especially if you have one pet that likes to eat the other's food. Or maybe you have a toddler that likes to get into pet food, or you have one that is on its own special food. The SureFeed Microchip Pet Feeder solves that problem. It has a lid that opens and closes automatically when your pet comes near it. How? It recognizes his or her microchip. And if your pet doesn't have a chip, it includes an RFID tag you can hang from your pet's collar. So let's say you have a cat. Your cat is registered to the feeder, and when he approaches it, it opens and he can eat. When he's done and he walks away, the feeder will close so that other cats, a dog, a kid can't get into it. Or bugs. Now, this is especially helpful if, like I said, one of your pets eats prescription food, maybe they're on a special diet, or you just have maybe a dog that likes to eat your cat's food. This can store up to 32 different pet identities, more than you'll ever need, but stores all of those, and it can remember the registered pets even when you take out the batteries. It does run on batteries, lasts about six months on four C batteries. Of course, they're not included. And uh, you'll get a warning if the batteries are running out. So you get the microchip, you get, or sorry, the RFID tag, you get a single bowl, a split bowl, uh, and then a little mat to put it on, and all this will set you back $205. Ooh, that's a good one. Okay, sure, the, the SureFeed Pet Feeder, $205, and product number three. All right, last up, back to cleaning. If you have ever trained a puppy, you know how helpful but really gross those potty pads are. There are other options. Um, they have some reusable stuff that's easier to clean, but instead of dealing with any of that, try Brilliant Pad. It's the world's first self-cleaning dog potty pads. Your dog can go number one or number two, and it wraps up and seals whatever they leave behind so you can keep your home clean and free of odors. There's an adjustable timer that automatically replaces a dirty pad a few times a day with a clean one. Or you can change out the pad anytime by hitting a button or using the app, because of course there's an app for that. So you can get... <laughs> potty notifications when your dog goes to the bathroom and you can control the brilliant pad from it so you can clean up the mess from anywhere it also lets you know when the pad needs to be switched out because this is a roll of puppy pad that needs to be switched occasionally Uh, it will last for weeks at a time though for most animals so you can set this up on an automatic timer or do it manually Uh, and there's a sensor to make sure that it doesn't activate while your dog is on it this is for little guys so dogs under 25 pounds too big and you know they'll break it uh it plugs into the wall this one is pricey 149 dollars and 99 cents uh the dog the cleaner the dog do cleaner upper <laughs> they should have got you for marketing mike yeah <laughs> um okay so there's your three products all as usual are brilliant is this going to be tough ben or do you think you got this i have a feeling um You've I mean, got a good they're, feeling. They all have their ridiculous aspects, but I have a I have a feeling. Yeah, that's what I'm. That they they all have are a little bit ridiculous. Um, so let's go with the one that makes the most kind of sense. I don't know for two hundred five dollars, a little bit expensive, but the Surefeed Pet Feeder. 
with the RFID chips. Um, boy, that'd be a great product if it was real. Uh, seems to be priced pretty good. You have three dog feeders, right? Or three pet feeders? Yep. Okay. So I'm going to say that one's real. And the pod self-cleaning pet pad uh, with UV lights, that seems pretty ridiculous. Brilliant pad. Brilliant pad is brilliant. So I'm going to say that's a uh, a pretty good product. I'm going to go with the pod self-cleaning pet pad is the uh, not true product. Go ahead, Ben. Okay. That one. Uh, I don't know. I, I feel like she's trying to throw me off, like with, you know, the, the randomness of that last one. So whether it's reverse psychology or not, I'm going to go with the, that pet pad as being real. And then you've got uh, the, the cleaning bed. What's the, what's the name of it again? The uh, pod self-cleaning pet pod, whatever okay, it is. Okay, pet pod. That one, I, I don't want my, you know, dog toxically sanitized or anything, <laughs> but if it really does have, you know, those those features built in, then okay, maybe. Uh, I kind of went back and forth on this one, but I'm also going to say I think that one could be real. Uh, so that, that leaves me, I think that, uh, that the pet feeder, based on a couple little things, like the microchip and the and the battery power only. I, I don't know about that. It just those are the little things that bugged me about that one. So that's the one I'm going to say. Pet feeder is what I'm calling fake. I am not going to go back, but I think you made a lot of sense. That UV thing, it's just cheap enough where somebody could make it for 119 bucks and sell it, and there'd be people dopey enough to buy it. But you, you got a good point, Allie. Who's the who? Uh, what's the real product? All right, process of elimination here. So you both thought. The brilliant pad is real. Right. It is, it is real. This okay. Is <laughs> insane. Okay. So now we got to narrow it down. You, you pick different products. Mike, were you correct in thinking the pod self-cleaning bed is fake? Or Ben thinking the microchip pet feeder is fake? And the so, winner is? <laughs> the winner is Mike. Oh, yay! I finally get one right every once in a while. Uh, The pod self-cleaning pet bed is totally fake. But do you believe that, Ben? Ben made so much sense when he was going through these. I I thought I was really going to be wrong there. He almost got into it. uh, Yeah, the SureFeed is real. The reviews are... There are, like, some pretty good reviews for it. People with, you know, pets on prescription food or whatever it is and that really like it. So, yeah. Hmm. Every once in a while, every once in a while, uh, you know, I have a one in three chance anyway, every week. <laughs> I, I think I'm doing probably much worse than that. But anyway, Ali, great products. Good job, Ben. That's going to do it for this week's uh, brand new or not true. And get ready for the scam of the week coming up in just a little bit. Also, a small town came together to help uh, one of uh, one of their friends that helped get them through the pandemic. That's all coming up. It's Tech Refresh from Commando.com. Welcome to Tech Refresh from Commando.com. Every week we give you the inside scoop on what's going on in tech. So you're the in-the-know person and the source of tech information for your friends and family. Every week about this time we take an in-depth look at issues that affect technology, lifestyle. And this week we're going to take a deep dive into the end of cookies. Why 
Does that matter? Go ahead. Okay. Well, you know, we've talked about cookies on this podcast before and how after decades they're finally going away. Now, just a reminder, I'm talking about the tiny pieces of data stored in your browser that they do things like remember all the sites you visited, verify your logins, uh, keep your shopping cart uh, from expiring. You know, that data is also sold, so it's a big reason for targeted ads. Uh, Google and other big tech companies are phasing them out because, well, you know, they care about your privacy. I'm sure it has nothing to do with all the regulators, <laughs> you know, breathing down their necks around the world. Right. But, you know, even when cookies are retired, whether that's happening, uh, you know, next year or even a little longer, that definitely doesn't mean the days of being tracked on the Internet are gone. You already have ad companies, other marketers, you know, preparing workarounds. And, you know, Google is already working out plans or their next phase of tracking you by groups based on your on on shared interests as opposed to individuals, which it's kind of a nice, but I don't know. I mean, I think it's a good thing uh, that they're going away and that, that we're looking at other options. What what about you guys? And from in terms of shopping to just storing logins to everything else? Yeah, I think those kind of everyday useful features, that's nice, right? I like that my browser knows my passwords so that I don't have to open up a password manager every time I log in. I like that Amazon remembers my cart so that I don't lose things. So there are really useful, good things that cookies do. But yeah, the privacy stuff, you know, it's kind of been the wild west of of tracking on the internet for so long. And we're finally getting to a point where it's like, all right, we actually have to have more regulations around this. Um, and I think people have really just wised up and they they know, hey, I know how much data is collected on me and sold and I don't like it anymore. And so tech companies are forced to deal with that. Yeah, you're you're putting stuff on my computer that can be uh, kind of used against me in some way that you're you're tracking me, you're tracking what I know, what I do, you know, everything I do. So that's a little bit uncomfortable and kind of unfair because they really didn't come out ever until recently and let us know about what they were tracking on these cookies. So I would say, yeah, get them out of there. That's a good point, Mike. And I think that it's easy to think about it like, all right, I'm getting you know, an ad for a pair of shoes because I looked those up. And that, sure, maybe long ago that felt a little creepy and it still can from time to time. But I think that the thing you said, you know, reminded me of where this could go and probably where it is that, you know, what if you are looking up a health condition or you think you have symptoms of something and that goes back to your insurance provider? Or what if, you know, other details about your life that you wouldn't share um, are in some way used kind of against you. Like you said, that's that's kind of the, the scary place of where that can go. It's unsettling, too. I mean, you see, if you ever go in, like, to Google and you open up those ad preferences to, it's kind of, when it, it just documents everything that they think, that Google thinks you're into. Well, here's the other thing is, you know, you might be looking at, I don't know, maybe, I'm, for example, the Wall Street Journal and they they come up with a message that says, this site uses cookies. Would you allow us to track you? Well, I'm not a member of the Wall Street. I just want to read one of their articles. Uh, so I'm not – they're not saving any passwords, any login names, anything like that from me. So what they're asking is, can we track everything that you do, say, and you know, know about the Internet and give you nothing in return except for this article that you're about to read? I don't think that's a fair trade. Yeah, that's a good point. And, you know, I think a lot of us have got you either get into the habit of like, OK, accept on every site or 
no, 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 no. And, you know, sometimes you can't access the content. Sometimes you can. Um, Ben, you mentioned ad preferences. This is really, if you are near a computer or try to remember to do this later, if you are signed into your Google account and you Google the words, Google ad preferences, click on the first result and you'll see this whole big list of what Google thinks you like. (laughs) It's pretty funny because, you know, we talk about how accurate this stuff is and how much they know about you, but a lot of it is just like best guess. And it's based on some random search you did. So I've got like cabinetry in mind. I, I don't care about cabinetry. I have camcorders in my list, which I'm sure was just, you know, me researching for a story. So you know, I think the idea that they're moving to this more, what do people like you like, people who are similar to you, it's probably just going to be just as accurate, honestly, because this is not a, you know, a hard science. Yeah. I mean, I've got things on mine. It's like women's handbags. Uh, <laughs> you know, I had that show up and then there was like, you know, fine dining. I can't remember exactly what it was called, but ah, joke's on you, Google. I eat like a little kid, you know, and then. <laughs> Uh, I like sports. I love watching football, basketball, but but it listed soccer and nothing against anybody out there who likes soccer. It's just not my thing, but Google thinks I like it, you know, and I, I just wanted, you know, I I wondered, I thought about that. It's probably because I watched Ted Lasso. All right. I have one more really important question for you both. Uh Real cookies. What are your favorite real cookies? Hands down. Chocolate chip. Chocolate chip. Yeah. I would then. Absolutely. Me too. Part of my mission during the year of being at home has been to perfect my chocolate chip recipe or chocolate chip cookie recipe rather. And I uh-huh. did. So once we're back full time, I'll bring you guys some. Well, we'll be the judge of that for yeah. maybe next yeah, so week. Sugar cookies. Okay. Maybe. I mean, some others, but I don't know who lost a bet to bring us oatmeal raisin cookies, but uh, you know, no. no. Yeah. Thank you. No, those are too healthy. <laughs> they don't have a lots of sugar in them. I yeah. love that. All right, it's the Tech Refresh Podcast. One of the things we promise every week is to keep you posted on what's going on with uh, digital lifestyle, and that includes keeping you from getting scammed. So every week we talk about a new scam that you need to watch out for, and this week uh, it's something that you might have never considered, how your work-from-home selfies could be leading to trouble. Allie? If you have posted a selfie of you in your home office, be careful. Hackers are looking through popular hashtags like Hashtag remote work, hashtag work from home, and hashtag home office to steal secrets. Okay, how are they doing this, you might wonder? By zooming in on computer screens and documents that can be seen in the background. You you might not realize everything that they can see on your computer or sitting on your desk, like your colleagues' names, your email address, your colleagues' email addresses, uh, company emails, software programs you use. All of this stuff... They can use to fool you into thinking that, yes, it's actually your coworker sending you an email. Uh, all of this, of course, is to get you to fall for phishing scams. Open up an email, download the attachment that is, in fact, malware. So be very careful where you take a photo. And if you share a picture of yourself in front of or, you know, your computer is in the frame, blur your screen or make sure that there's nothing on there that you don't want prying eyes to see. Good idea. I mean, it's you know, I set mine up in a way. Uh, you know, months ago when we uh, started working from home, it's, I don't have anything like I'll have a cork board that I may, you know, that I may pin a few receipts to, or, and I've got a desk calendar that I may jot down quick notes. And it's almost like having a backup of, you know, Google calendar and things like that. But none of that's ever in frame. And it's not like I have the Wi-Fi password, you know, on my wall or something, but <laughs> yeah, it's, it's still, it's just something to, to be mindful of anything you jotted down 
even on your desk and a note that somebody can see. So yeah, I get it. Yeah, I feel like luckily with, you know, or with being on video calls all the time, most of us have really curated what's behind us. And so you're not seeing all kinds of crazy stuff, but easy to forget about in a photo. I mean, they're going to know I like, you know, seeing my background, they're going to know I like Star Trek and, uh, you know, Arizona sports teams, but that's really about the only identifiable information. All right. Let's hope you didn't answer a security question. What's your favorite show? What's your favorite sports team? Hey, thanks for listening to the Tech Refresh podcast. Up next, we got a small town that takes care of the guy that took care of them during the pandemic. Don't go anywhere. Let me tell you about a revolutionary new mobile voicemail app. If you've got a business, your voicemail is probably filled with messages from customers. Often the messages don't contain all the details you need. But what if you were able to get visual information from your callers? That's something you can't do with a traditional audio voicemail box, but you can with Fillmore Productions Video Voicemail. With Fillmore Productions Video Voicemail, callers receive a link to download the mobile app. There they can view important details about your business, watch videos about what you have to offer, and then leave you a video message. Actors and musicians can showcase what they do, and callers to medical practices or repair shops can report their issues visually. There are so many things that video voicemail can do for a business that makes audio voicemail a thing of the past. Discover what video voicemail can do for your business. Visit GetVideoVoicemail.com. That's GetVideoVoicemail.com. That's GetVideoVoicemail.com. Hey, thanks for listening to the Tech Refresh podcast, heard exclusively on Kim Commando Explains, formerly the Tech You Should Know podcast. It's all from commando.com. If you haven't already, make sure you hit that subscribe button so you get this podcast delivered automatically every Friday with the Tech You Should Know podcast. And that also gets you the special feature podcast, including this week about a Charles, a person who has been diagnosed with cancer. He has called the show a couple of times. This is one of our most involved podcast. It's 50 minutes. It's not uh, something to, to be taken lightly. He was diagnosed with cancer and he had two years to live and he wanted to leave a legacy for his son. So Kim uh, talks him through that, talks him through the two calls that he had on the Kim Commando show. And she gives many valuable tips on uh, something that this could do, whether you've been diagnosed with a two years of life left or not, it's something that at some point we're all going to have to go through. So that is this week on Kim Commando Explains, formerly the Tech You Should Know podcast. Let's go to Dolphin, Pennsylvania. It's a tiny little town. There are no traffic lights, and it's one of those places where everybody knows your name. There's about 800 people. That includes the UPS driver. Chad Turns has been delivering packages for UPS to this town for over a decade, and he's really known in the community for going the extra mile. One of the residents, Jenny Shickley, told the Today Show, On Facebook, another friend mentioned there was a package that needed signing and they weren't home. Chad was nervous that it was important, so he went to their parents' house to get it signed for them. He does stuff like this all the time. And during the pandemic, with everyone ordering so much stuff online, his workload has gone pretty crazy. It's basically, you know, 60 to 80 hours every week. So it's like holiday delivery season every single day for this guy. Shickley wanted to do something nice for him and get the the community together. So she organized a Thank You Chad event through a community Facebook page to give him a big group gift. She thought, all right, cool, we'll get a couple hundred bucks. It'll be a nice present for him. Within two days, they'd raise over $1,000 because everybody just knows this guy and wanted to contribute. 
They arranged for Chad's last stop to be a pickup box at the municipal building. He got there, thought he was just going to get a box and go, but everyone was there in their masks, socially distanced, with signs cheering to thank him. It was, as you might imagine, pretty overwhelming for him. He told the Today Show, the idea that they even thought of me to do anything, to go above and beyond, and to do what they did yesterday was truly amazing to me. He said that, you know, throughout the past year, people do things like offer him water, give him a cookie or a snack along his route, which is really nice, but this was just a different level. I cried, he said. I always call my wife when I leave work and she asks how my day was. It was a real tearjerker. It was very touching and humbling. Well, that is absolutely awesome. You know, there we've that it seems like we just don't have enough of that anymore. So a great idea for you guys that are listening to uh, support the people that support you. If you'd like to comment about the podcast, good or bad, mostly good, send us an email to podcasts at commando.com. Again, that's podcasts at commando.com. On behalf of Ben and Allie, I'm Mike. We'll see you next time. And for the latest digital news and articles anytime, go to commando.com with a K. That's K-O-M-A-N-D-O.